Hey, listeners, get your tickets for the Columbus Cocktail Classic, which is going to be on Sunday, September 8th from 2 to 6 p.m. at the Joseph Hotel in the Short North Arts District of Columbus, Ohio. It's the first ever cocktail convention in the state of Ohio, so we're pretty excited about that. We want to make it an annual affair, so please get your tickets. There are different ticket levels, and the grand finale, if you will, of the convention is a really fun competition. It's a team competition. We're calling it the Culinary Cocktail Throwdown, where we pair a bartender and a chef. The uh, cocktail is always the start of the star of the show in our world. So the chef, the bartender will make a cocktail. The chef will make an amuse bouche to pair with it. And if you're in the studio audience, you will be able to taste everything and vote on that. So the website for the classic oh, thank you. is the Columbus Cocktail Classic.com. Um, also, get your tickets for the Columbus Craft Cocktail Tour. We do one just about every weekend. And the, what's the, where can you get tickets for the Columbus Craft Cocktail Tour? ColumbusCraftCocktailTour.com. <laughs> that one's easy. It's so hard. <laughs> and yeah. Spell so, it all out. Uh, also, keep your eyes open for our very special Halloween cocktail tour because that always sells out within hours. So that will be going. Up, we'll be listing um, that in very, very soon from when this drops. Very soon. And look out for our, um, we do some word jumbles. Um, if you answer the questions correctly, you can win a free ticket to the cocktail tour. So keep an eye out for those. Welcome to If This Bar Could Talk, a podcast about bartenders and the stories they have to tell, as well as the storied history of cocktails, spirits, and bars. I'm Blair Beavers, and here's your host, Leanne Sims. So our guest tonight, he's not really a bartender, but he did play one in an amateur cocktail competition recently. He is the superintendent of liquor control for the state of Ohio. Welcome to the podcast, Jim Knippe. Thank you for inviting me, I and, think. I uh, think. <laughs> <laughs> so I have to say, not that you give a shit what I think, but... Um, you are I care. Really, I hang on every word. You're doing amazing things for liquor control. Um, not just... Uh, you're, you're like changing the whole perception or rather you're informing people. Cause I think there are a lot of misconceptions about what a control state is, but if I had your job, which I kind of wish I, I did. No, I you don't. Do... No, you don't. Because <laughs> <laughs> half the people love it and half the people hate you. So, well, I would do it exactly how you're doing it. Like you're doing barrel picks, like it's your job because mm-hmm. you made it your job. Mm-hmm. And that's so cool. Who wouldn't want that job? I know I would. I mean, yeah, that, we, you know, that's the cool part. I mean, that part of it's cool, except like even there, for example, you're, I'm bringing in barrels of whiskey that otherwise the state wouldn't have. So this is like, think about it this way, all the stuff on the shelves, that you buy bourbon wise, the makers, the old forester, all the, we're going to get that regardless. Barrels are over and above that because they're single barrels. The state had never gotten those before. So we're getting extra bonus bottles. And still people are like, like you, yay for that. Mm -hmm. And then other people are like, well, um, why aren't you getting Willet? Or, well, uh, why, um, <laughs> who's picking those out? You, you don't really go down there, do you? And I'm like, yeah, man, 
I do. It's like, <laughs> you know what? You can't make everybody happy. So just, it's like extra cool, delicious bourbon. So like chillax and drink it. It is extra cool that you're doing that. It really is. Um, and I feel like you are forging relationships that haven't been, um, that haven't existed before in particular with the bartending community, which is super important to um, liquor sales, obviously, um, and how you do your inventory, right? Because if things don't move, you aren't going right. to have them sitting on the shelves. And if bartenders aren't selling it, it's, yeah. Well, the bartenders um, have their finger on the pulse um, in terms of trends, people's taste buds, uh, they're always experimenting, trying to be, you know, uh, distinguish themselves from each other and try to make that place a destination based on what they're making. And so, you know, they don't want to do same old, same old. They want to be on cutting edge. And so they're setting the trends. And for me, in running a, a $1.3 billion business, I want to be on the crest of the trends, you know, if... If I don't want to be behind the trend, I don't want to be way in front of the trend. I want to be on the crest of the trend sure, because it sells bottles. And yeah. so, you know, for example, the, the gin um, trend now is starting to kick in because that, that is starting with the bartenders. Mm -hmm. And if you think about it, it makes sense because gin has a, a long history. There's a craft process. I mean, there's a way to make it or a good way to make it, a bad way to make it. There's all kinds of creative ways to make it, um, and it and it has a history, and so the bartenders, you know, are taking that page out of the bourbon, the American bourbon um, playbook, and capitalizing on gin. And there's all kinds of cool things going on with that, and so we're starting to see that kick in. So I want to make sure, you know, the bartenders get what they need to distinguish themselves from from the other spots and from the other bartenders, and to make their place of destination and in the process, you know, it's not totally altruistic, mm -hmm. even though I do like to go to cool places where, where there are bartenders that make cool stuff because that tends to be where the action is. Um, but I'm really doing it because I want to know what to sell, what to buy, what to sell. Mm -hmm. So what was it like when you were, so Krista Lavi was your mentor when you did the amateur cocktail competition did it, how eye-opening was that for you? Did you learn anything from that experience or what was that like for it, you? It was an amazing exper experience. It was eye-opening in a number of regards. Um, you know, the, the, the obvious eye-opening thing is like the work that they put in yeah. to look like it's not work. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, they are just... Um, up all about customer service, all about the show, all about um, the chit chat, all about um, you know making it special for the customer. And um, so that's the obvious thing is like first thing that comes to your mind is like how do am I going to remember how to make a drink? How am I going? You know where where's this bottle? Where's that glass? You know am I going to get it? You know is, am I going to shake it, stir it? Right. Uh, what am, you know strain it? What am I supposed to do? When what kind of fruit do I put on it? And does it need to be a twist or, you know, all those things are the obvious eye openers is how much work it is. Yeah. Um, that's, but the, the more nuanced and I think um, uh, important piece of it is that the bartenders um, are plugged into 
um, this liquor uh, world, um, but really don't understand how the business side of the liquor works. Like they understand their bar, right. they understand their bar business, um, but they don't understand a control state, right. how that works, how their voices need to be heard, mm-hmm. how they can connect to make those things happen for their bar. You know, in talking to Chris and talking to other bartenders, they, they sort of think they're stuck mm-hmm. with the selection that their wholesale agency is offering them. Mm-hmm. And that is a, you know, a myth that I want to kick in the ass because it's just not true. Okay. Um, you know, if there are um, things that they want um, to make their night special, their menu special, all they need to do is ask. And if their wholesale agency um, is not accommodating them, switch to another liquor agency who will provide customer service. Because the business side of it is this. The agency um, orders from the state of Ohio. Now, what do they want to order? They want to order bottles that are going to move off their shelf. Mm -hmm. They don't want to order that special thing because they have to order case quantities. So if Joe's bar wants that one bottle for that one cocktail he's going to make that's seasonal, the rest of the case sits in the back of the agency taking up space. Okay, I see. Now, even though the agency hasn't spent a nickel on it, Mm -hmm. it's taking up space. They make a commission on on the bottles that move. Okay. You know, so they want bottles that move because that's how they get paid. Gotcha. Commission-based. So when Joe's bar says, I want some... Uh, you know, strange thing, they're going to say the state, and I'm putting these in air quotes, the state doesn't have that. The state won't let me get that. The state, the state, it's not the state. Uh. It's the state agency who doesn't want to ask us for a product that they feel like is not going to move. You're their scapegoat then. So we're the scapegoat. Okay. So, you know, I was up in Berea, um, Ohio, and I was at um, a club up there called uh, Bar 107, and my cousin plays uh, up there in in the bar all the time, and we were there till closing, and the bartender, as I'm writing my um, bill, sees my name, looks at her permit on the wall, and says, I got questions for you, <laughs> and I'm like, what? She goes, how come you don't carry, I forget what it is, um, it's on my phone, but it, it's a... Um, liqueur um, for drinks that she made. It's real popular. I said, well. Sherry um, Herring. I, no, I, I can show you my, I'll have to look at my phone um, at the next commercial break. I'll check my phone. <laughs> um, but I said, well, why are you saying we don't have it? Well, that's what my agency said. I said, well, it's one of a couple of possibilities. One is we really don't carry it. It's not listed in the state. Two, we do list it. But it's very slow moving and the agency is just flat out lying to you because they don't want to order because it's going to sit in their back room. Um, or, uh, you know, it's it's something that you can get, but the wholesale agency doesn't know how to get it for you. And so I looked into it for her. We have it. The agency just didn't want to get it for her. Wow. So her options were to change um, to a different agency that would accommodate her um, or stay with that 
agency who uh, wasn't providing customer service. Now that agency is my agent. Mm -hmm. I have a contract with them. Mm -hmm. They need to provide good customer service to keep their contract. Mm -hmm. And we had a an adult conversation later about that customer service at that at that location. But that's not an uncommon story. Okay. You know that is not a. And talking with Chris, she did. She was unaware that th those were options for her and and you know others in her uh, same position. Mm -hmm. Well, that's great to know, and it's great that you've developed this relationship with the bartenders to school them on, because everybody thinks that the state is stifling their creativity, um, but that's just not the case. So, and I assume that enough enough people leave the, the um, liquor store that isn't providing them good service, then they'll be forced to provide good service. Otherwise, they won't have. Well, that's services. right. So, um, there are four hundred and eighty-one state liquor agencies, they are contractors. They have personal service contracts. Just like when you hire an agent to sell your house or somebody to mow your lawn, if they don't perform what you're paying them to perform, you get rid of them and you get somebody who does the job. Mm -hmm. Everybody wants a liquor contract. Mm -hmm. Why does everybody want a liquor contract? Not for the commission, but for the foot traffic, it brings in for the higher margin things like beer, wine, soda, gotcha. chips, whatnot. So everybody wants one of these. And so there's a line out the door for people who want these liquor contracts. And if the ones who are my current contractors don't provide customer service, they're like dandelion heads. Knock one off, three more grow up right in the same place because everybody wants them. And they will be innovative. They will provide customer service. They will do all those sorts of things. But on top of managing the um, contractors that I have, which has really not been done ever, um, part of that was when I came in, I noticed that the bars and restaurants who are, have liquor permits were sort of preordained to 310 of these liquor agencies. In other words, uh, it, you know, liquor agency A had 35 bars and restaurants. Liquor agency B had 27 bars and restaurants and so on and so on. So I like to say it was like an artificial North Korea divided up artificial market. Now what happens when that happens? And the, the bars and restaurants weren't allowed to change their liquor agency. So what do you think happened? If you're, if you're a bar and you have no choice, the customer service just went right. into the toilet. So what I said to all my contractors and what I said to the bars is if you aren't getting the service that you want, you can change. Nice. And so what happened? Now all the agencies are competing mm -hmm. to provide that level of customer service. Delivery dates, offerings, specials, all those sorts of things. So that was like step two. Step three is something that we're about ready to launch which is portable app-based orderings for all the bars and restaurants. Oh, nice. And Mitchell's and John Lane from um, Winking Lizard and a bunch of others, um, Vaso, and I, I mean, there's a whole list um, of, of partners in helping us design this app-based portable um, ordering process that the bars and restaurants you know, depending on who's doing the ordering, is it the liquor manager or the beverage manager, whoever it is, will actually have an app that looks a lot like Amazon. 
you see the full menu of all of our brands, all of the sizes. You see what's available. You put it in your cart. You hit send, and that's your order. It gets cut, and it's it'll be pulled by the agency, and it's ready to be picked up or delivered. And so if you go to order something and it's not there, it gives you options. Like, well, people who buy that also buy or also shop or like this. Sure. You know, and so that way the agent or the the bar or the restaurant who's, who's trying to put together their um, order, they currently they order it and then they kind of wait until it arrives to see what's not there. Yeah. That's terrible. Mm-hmm. And so this really puts visibility on it. It really makes it nimble. Mm-hmm. It makes it like the rest of the shopping experience mm-hmm. um, and it puts it in their hands anywhere they're at. They don't. The bar and the restaurant don't need to be at a terminal in their restaurant. They don't have to fax it in. They don't have to email it in. They can, wherever their phone is, if they're on vacation, if they're anywhere, they can put in their order. And so that is going to change everything for the bars and restaurants. Because now they won't depend on some clerk at a liquor store, you know, giving thumbs up and thumbs down on what they need. Wow, that's great. It seems to me like finally there's somebody in charge at Liquor Control that actually cares about the industry. And I think that's that's amazing. And I think it's going to boost sales. Oh, I mean, I'm sure it already has. Yeah, I mean. It, and who likes to drink good stuff as much as we do. Yeah. But, you know, that, <laughs> the thing is, it's, it's, it's not totally um, altruistic. It, it's a mercenary, right? It's like. I want to get the stuff in the people's hands mm-hmm. who are going to buy it. Sure. I want mm-hmm. to make it easy to make purchases. Mm-hmm. I want to make it easy to shop. I want to make it easy for you to see what's on our shelves. Yeah. Um, and then I want to make it fun. Right. You know, and that's like, you know, all the events, the festivals, the pop-ups, the um, raffles, the lotteries, and all those sorts of things. So it's, it is fun. Because I like to have fun, but it's also mercenary. I'm running a business, mm-hmm. and that's an unusual thing for a state agency. Yeah, it, you know, I can think of one other, you know, uh, uh, lottery. Lottery is in business. The Department of Liquor is in business. We're in business to make money, not to sit on our hands and make it more difficult. So I have an idea for another raffle. I think you should do. Yeah, I think you should draw names, have a raffle. For people to join you on barrel picks. <clears throat> I almost spit the, my water into the <laughs> microphone. Because we're already doing that. Oh, you are? Yeah. Well, I didn't know It's called know the that. Golden Barrel Program. Oh, I saw that in the magazine. Well, then duh. Oh, yeah. You already know. Why so, are you asking me? I, I haven't actually seen the magazine. I saw well, it online. Lindsay. And I saw the... the yeah, I don't. Where do you get? Amanda is not doing her homework for this interview <laughs> at all. <laughs> the magazine—it's a quarterly magazine. Okay. It's free, um, and I call it the Highlights Magazine for adults. Yes. You go in it. Yeah. You find the hidden golden barrel. It gives you a code. You go online. You sign up, and we've already taken our first person. Okay. Not, not only that, it. but we're taking um, agency stores who are in compliance That's with so all fun. of our so we did that with um new riff was our awesome. first customer that came with us to help taste and pick barrels 
Wow. What a great idea, Leanne. That, thank you. Thank you. You know, I always say, I always say, if I have the idea, somebody much smarter than me has already thought of it. So it's nothing new for me. So let's talk about the... Check that one off your list. Cross 40, it off. 42 plus. What's... 42 plus. What's that mean? What's 42 plus? Is that how many the, counties or think, what? Think about it. I, I have no 42 idea. plus. 42 plus. I don't know. I don't know. So, in Ohio and in most control states, what do they control? High proof spirits. Uh huh. Forty-two oh, proof. proof. Gotcha. And up. Gotcha. Gotcha. Uh, okay. Forty-two proof. Okay. And up. Very clever. All right. So there's another sort of um, myth, misconception, um, uh, vestige of lack of information is. Beer and wine and low proof spirits under 42 are products that are bought and owned um, by the each retailer. So if you're in Target buying beer or wine, if you're at the um, stop and go uh, gas station buying beer and wine, that's all their inventory. The low proof below 42 is what they own. So, you know, this helps understand, you know, whether it's beer, wine, chips, jerky, soda, milk, cheese, whatever it is. Um, they, they own that. They make the um, choices on um, whether it's something that they're going to sell or not sell. And, and how do they base that decision? You know, do they, like one guy comes in and says, I like um, liver. Can you carry liver? Well, like who else wants liver? Well, no one. And so like they have to make decisions on their inventory that's going to sell, that's mm -hmm. going to make them money because they're in business to make money. They're not in business to make one guy who wants liver happy. Mm -hmm. And so with 42 proof, it's the same concept, but it's me. Okay. You know, so the products that I'm buying that are 42 and up, 42 plus, our inventory that we own and that we put on the shelves and sell on consignment through these contractors. Okay. And they get a commission for selling it. So the products that I choose, the product mix that I choose, are gonna th be things that are gonna sell. And so I rely on the brokers and the, and the makers and the bartenders um, and the velocity of sales to data to dictate what I'm bringing into the state. And so right now, bourbon, hot, tequila, hot, um, Irish, hot, gin starting to take off. But vodka is flat, uh, uh, Canadian is flat, um, cordials are flat, um, rum, flat. Um, and so those are how we make our decisions. And so um, uh, that product mix um, matters in terms of sales and like any other business, you're going to make those choices based on sales, velocity, sales, data, sales trends. And so 42 plus is because that's what we sell. That's what we, that's what we control. And that's what, um, um, the magazine's about. Now, the other hat that I wear is I permit anybody who sells liquor. So, Every bar, every restaurant, every casino, every hotel, everybody who wants to sell beer, wine, or spirits, 
including a temporary per- permit for mm-hmm. your Columbus um, cocktail Columbus, classic. The Columbus <laughs> co- cocktail classic. That's a temporary permit. So yeah. all of those permits to sell liquor um, require a permit, and that's the other side of what I do. So uh, I think another misconception that I was told when I started the process of planning this convention, because I, I don't know anything about planning these things, um, I was I said, you know, I'm just going to see if I can get a meeting with somebody at Liquor Control because I don't want to plan this, spend all this money and time, just to, just like your building permit. You know, you don't want to build your mm-hmm. house and then have the inspector tear it down. Um, and I was told, oh, they'll never, like, you, you'll you never be able to reach anyone. So I sent one email to Lindsay and met with Dominic Panzera and Andre Smith. Andre Smith. My, yeah. Dominic's our legal counsel, and Andre's the head of um, enforcement. I call him the heavy. And he's um, big, too. <laughs> he is big. <laughs> but they came out. They sat down. Dominic brought this giant law book of regulations and I was like I hope he's not going to make me read all that shit and of course he didn't he just explained to me you know and he answered every question and we had lots of questions but they had all the answers we needed yeah and then um he gave me his email address which I'm sure he's regretting now because I've sent him a hundred different questions (laughs) no they love it they love that I mean I obviously encourage it um that customer that level of customer service but I mean, think about it in terms of of how we do business. We would so much rather have you get it right at the front end mm-hmm. because we want you to be successful, mm-hmm. right? You're doing, again, it's, it's not totally altruistic. We want you to be successful because what are you doing? Selling your... You're marketing my yeah. products, mm-hmm. right? And you're buying some too mm-hmm. from the state liquor store. And so we want to facilitate that, make it easy for you, make it fun for you, um, because otherwise it turns into an enforcement issue, you know, so you don't do your homework. You don't meet us with, meet with us at the front end. We get a tip from somebody who doesn't like your show, who doesn't like that you're setting up this thing and they always wanted to do one, but they're jealous. So somebody's going to call us and say, well, Leanne is doing this thing and they're, they're doing it wrong and blah, blah, blah. So that's how I get my tips. It's, it's some hater out there who's going to call us and tell us that you're doing it wrong and then it's our duty to go check it out and then andre comes then andre comes <laughs> and then it becomes a problem and it's usually right before the event mm, yeah and people have their tickets and they're you know you you're, you're you've paid your vendors you you've paid everything it's all set up and then i'm like i'm trying to help you get into compliance you know five hours before the event wow yeah so we love when people come to us early for those for those consults. We love it. Makes sense. Um, so the OHLQ website where you can figure out if you need a bottle of something, um, you go on there and um, you can find your bottle. How is that updated real time or how does that work? Um, so it is, to answer your question, then I'll, talk about it um, a little more the um, bottles that are in an agency store um, are scanned by the UPC code just like in every bottle that you have here every product has a UPC code so when those um, cases and bottles are um, delivered to the agency store the agency scans them in with a scan gun boop 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 
And so when that happens, all that data from that delivery at, what is it, Lindsay, 12 o'clock in the morning, three o'clock in the morning, upload into our system. And all that data about all those brands and all those products are now visible on OHLQ website. Oh, wow. So That's good to if know. the delivery is today at, let's see what time we have here. It's like quarter to seven. So 7 p.m., there's a delivery at three o'clock in the morning. We now know what's in that store and it's on OHLQ. Now, let's say there's a case of Blanton's that was delivered at 7 p.m. At so from 7 to 8, 8 to 9, 9 to 10, 10 to 11, all the way to 3, it's sitting on that shelf. And while that store is open, people are buying, right? That's if the agency has put it out. Mm -hmm. And that's their choice. I mean, if that's contingent on, you know, if they got people to stock and face and do everything else the store does with their products. But at 3 o'clock in the morning, that data of what was delivered minus what was sold is going to be on OHLQ. So now we know at uh, 3 o'clock in the morning when you open the app, and look at it when you wake up at three o'clock in the morning, Leanne, mm -hmm. to see what you can't sleep to see where that Blanton's is. Um, you're going to see all the agencies buy little bottles on the on the website, and if it's full, it means they've got ample supply. If it's half full, it means um, they're getting low, and if it's empty, there's none there. And so, you get in your car and you speed to that store um, because you think that there's going to be Blanton's there. Now, remember, if you get there, if the store opens at nine. And you get there at noon, 200 of your closest friends have beat you there mm. for that was mm. remaining bottles. And so gotcha. the, you know, the OHLQ website is the best thing and the worst thing we've ever done. It's the best thing in terms of every other product than the high demand, quick velocity bourbon. You know, so if you're relying on OHLQ for, um, Blanton's or, um, uh, I'm thinking of another one here that flies off, Buffalo Trace, um, something like that, <clears throat> or McKenna. Um, by the time you get there, it's probably going to be gone after you've seen it on OHLQ. But for every other category, if you're looking for something for a party, the bartenders are looking for something. Or if anybody's looking for anything that's not bourbon... <laughs> It's a great resource. Mm -hmm. um, but for bourbon, people get frustrated because they don't realize that the demand, it's not going to sit there on the shelf waiting for you to come pick it up. Right. Because everybody's looking for those, those products. So mm -hmm. um, we, like, like I said, we get a lot of um, people who call us to say, I went on OHLQ and I saw that bottle of, you know, uh, old Weller Antique and it's not there. Well, there's only two possibilities. It was sold and it's gone by the time you got there or the store is holding it in the back. And that used to be a thing before JVC, before me. It used to be a thing that the agencies would hold special things for their friends or there were these lists. 
Um, and you know, don't get me started on lists. Like, how do you get on the list? How do you get off the list? You know, right. I, I used to be a prosecutor. I'm cynical, so I can think of all kinds of cynical reasons why you'd be on a list. Like, I buy a lot of your wine, or I buy a lot of your beer, or I give you cash payments, or I whatever it is. None of it's good. Um, and so, the agencies now have a million secret shoppers who call me and call our uh, Liquor enter, enter, uh, Enterprise Service Center to complain if that stuff isn't there. Gives us great visibility to send a compliance officer to go in the back room and to see if it's there or not. And guess what? Uh, if it's there, what happens? They're in big trouble. It's like liquor, it's like the liquor 10 commandments. If you are holding, hiding, providing special uh, lists, that's like probably, you know, besides assaulting a customer, it's probably like number two on the commandments. Mm. No special mm. lists because we want it, we want everybody to have a fair chance to get it. Yeah, that makes sense. That's fair. Okay. So normally we take a break at this point and make a cocktail, but we're not going to do that because you're not really a bartender. <laughs> um, we're going to pour um, a little bit of whiskey and, and taste it. So we'll be right back. back with what is this this is a gift um from uh a endemic sample, a, a sample gift a sampler uh, of old sappho which we're going to list and tell us about it what what's special about this so you you and cheers and cheers yes cheers. <laughs> so um uh the russells um discovered this recipe old sappho um and there's a um, you know, a maker, that's a really distiller good. who made this stuff, but they rediscovered it and um, made this again. And it's going to be listed in the state. Of course, it's highly allocated, uh, very, very few cases, but we're going to get um, our fair share. These were great partners with Campari and, and uh, uh, Wild Turkey and, and Jimmy and Eddie Russell. So um, we're thrilled about getting the opportunity. Um, uh, this is a, just a great product. It's good because you know, it's delicious. Yeah. 107 proof. Yeah. That's good stuff. Thanks, Ann. Really nice. Yeah. So Ann tell Rock, me about. Ann Rocks. Ann Dimmick is the best. I saw that she was in your magazine. A beautiful yeah, picture of her. Yeah. She's she's wonderful. Women of women of uh, the liquor world. Women leaders. Yeah. I like that. I feel like you were missing somebody, though. Who, <laughs> The uh, only bourbon trivia board game in the world was created by well me. Had I, you know, had I got first place in I'm not a bartender. Oh, maybe, maybe it would be a, be a different uh, scenario. I was not man. a judge. Blair was though. Mm -hmm. There you go. Come on, don't put that on me. Yeah. So tell me about Stateways. You, uh, what what is Stateways? Stateways is the um, trade magazine for control states. Um, it's sort of like the Academy for the Academy Awards, but it's for control states. And every year, um, we used to be in Dumpster Fire magazine uh, before I started. 
That was is that two, a real thing? That was two years ago. No, I just made that up. <laughs> I was going to say. Dumpster Fire Magazine, Leanne. <laughs> um, that would be terrible. So this this is a trade magazine. Um, they There's a number of categories. There's like 13 categories. And um, they pick control states um, that particularly excel in these these categories. And then they pick one best of the best control state in Ohio because of all the cool things we're doing, um, got best of the best. And so That's we're going awesome. to be a cover story, 10 pages in the trade magazine. Um, and so, like, yeah, really thrilled about it. So it's not just me that's noticing all the great things you're doing. It's like a lot of people. That's right. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. Well, that's good. That's exciting. Um, so we do have some other samples that were given to us. Um, this one is called Cask and Crew. And I think they're they're trying to get listed in the state, uh, but they where, did. Where are they from? Uh, New, York, New York, upstate New York, Fairport, actually. My hometown. Blair's hometown. Oddly, it's just a little little town, um, but they this rye is really good. If you want to, and they're, and they're using you. They're they're using you to get to me to to list their products, which is no. smart on their part. Well, actually. <laughs> Um, they have the only product that they have that's listed in the state is called uh, Pink. Have you seen that low proof? Ladestri like, Pink Lemonade. Yeah, it's like it tastes like pink lemonade, low proof stuff. And they are going to be vendors at our cocktail convention. And so um, I met with them, and they just gave me samples of everything. So and, which I think it's fun. What do you think? I think it's it's fun. Um, I like the rye. Um, ginger spice whiskey, I think is interesting. You see what, you see what my shirt says. Yes. Right? Whiskey flavored whiskey. Now is ginger spice <laughs> whiskey flavored well, whiskey? Well, don't knock it till you try it. That's what I say. <laughs> and there's an it is orange not, but... roasted whiskey, which kind of, uh, is like, um, it reminds me of slow and low sort of. So, so try the, it if you, the, try thing, if you like. the, 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 the thing about these makers whether it's somebody from New York or you know somebody from Ohio, is the question isn't can you make it, which is also a, a very interesting process because you know distilling is a is a craft. The question is is can you sell it, mm-hmm. right? And so this company, Caskin Caskin Crew, um, the question will be if if you want me to list it in the state of Ohio, you got to prove to me that. It's going to sell. How does one do that? You have data from somewhere else where it's okay. selling. Um, you have bars and restaurants who want it. Okay. And what I would do is um, I would do a wholesale only um, purchase. So you get, you know, 10 restaurants and bars or 20 restaurants and bars or even one restaurant who says, I really want Cask and Crew. I will buy it for that bar and restaurant. And if they... If that bar and restaurant is selling it, that's usually a good indicator. I mean, it's a it's a safe bet for me. Okay. Because that bar and restaurant has said, I will buy Cask and Crew from you, Jim. And so it's no risk to me. But if I just like say, oh, I like your label. Yeah. I'm going to buy 100 cases of it. Now I own it. Yeah. But, and Cask and Crew goes off high-fiving themselves because, oh, we just sold 100 cases to the state. Well, mm-hmm. you haven't sold a damn thing. You haven't sold a bottle. So once... People start walking up to the shelves and buying it. Now you're talking my language. So you, 
I am not just going to list some um, untested uh, product um, without it being either wildly successful in another state. Um, the bartenders and the restaurants are buying it. There has to be some indication uh, for me to be um, taking the risk on it. Because again, I, I'm investing in a product not because I want to stack it on the floor. Mm-hmm. I need, it needs to sell. And as taxpayers, we appreciate that. Mm-hmm. So, uh, listeners, if you ever have a question for a guest like Jim or any of our bartenders or any of our guests, you can uh, email us or message us on Facebook or where else? How else can they reach smoke us? Smoke signal. You can yeah. s- smoke there's a, signal. There's a glass window behind her right here. You probably could yeah. draw on a window. But you can ask us questions, and I do happen to have a couple of questions uh, for you tonight from Facebook. Uh, the first one is well, from... Well, the show's over. Then let's go. <laughs> <laughs> from Brian Tolley. He says, what can we do to get the state to release their stranglehold on rum varieties in the state so I can stop going to Newport and Chicago to get what I can't get here? I was in Benny's over in Chicago a couple months ago and dropped 700 bucks. I do to do this three to four times a year. Okay, so this this sort of is the amalgamation of things we've talked about up until that question. So Benny's is a retailer in Chicago, mm-hmm. just like Target, just like any other grocery store, like any other retailer in the state of Illinois, which is an open state. Meaning each retailer buys his beer, his wine, his Cheetos, and his high-proof liquor. So Binney's is going to buy what he can sell. And if it's selling, he's going to mark it up. Right? So Blanton's here is $56. Blanton's in Illinois is going to be $100. Right? So let's start there. So Benny's can buy whatever Benny's wants to because he's going to take the chance that it sits around. And if it sits around, he's going to mark it to $5. And it's going to be like um, five-buck chuck. But it's going to be vodka gin, Canadian, or whatever it is. So rum. Rum, we have, um, take a guess how many different kinds of rum we have listed in the state of Ohio. 12. 174 types of rum that are listed in, in the state of Ohio. Now, I can get away with having that many kinds because I'm not Binnie's. We're the state of Ohio. We, have, we, spend, we make $1.3 billion. So I can take more chances with more um, offerings. But, for example, people go to the Caribbean and they taste some kind of rum. And they come back and they're like, the state has a stranglehold. Otherwise, they would have whatever rum that I tasted in the Caribbean. Now, like we were talking about with this New York bourbon maker, if I can sell that rum, I'm going to have it listed. If one guy who went to Benny's wants the rum, I could care less. Yeah. Okay. So what I want is to know what it is. Can I sell it? Is there demand for it? And so... Um, if the restaurants and bars want it, I'm going to get it for them. That's easy. That makes sense. Because it's an automatic buy. And we do that all the time. Um, you know, if Miranova, if M, if Chris DeLavi wants a product, 
she talks to um, Campari um, and says, hey, I need a case of whatever. It's an automatic buy for me. I, it's not risky. Now, when you start talking about putting it on the retail shelves, now I have to hope that, you know, uh, thousands of Brian's friends are going to buy this because otherwise I'm taking, I'm taking a chance in buying rum that only Brian knows about. And that's not how you run a business. So Ohio Rum Society, if you're listening, and I know you are, um, there you go. There's there's your answer. Yeah. I mean, so if I'm a rum fan, what I do is um, if Brian is a bartender or Brian is part of a restaurant, um, you contact your broker. Your broker contacts me and we buy however many cases that bar. He's not. He's just an individual. He's a member of the Ohio Rum Society. The Ohio Rum Society. Um, you know, if you are interested in, um, different kind of rums, um, again, though, the manufacturer, um, has to come to me. I can't Mm -hmm. like divine that Mm -hmm. from thin air that Brian is out there and wants some kind of rum. Mm -hmm. Either society contacts a broker or a manufacturer and they approach me and they say, Hey, the rum society is kind of a, um, an influencer here. And they're saying this rum is a is a dead-on hit. It's finished in bourbon casks, or it's finished however it's finished. It's awesome, and here's the data. We sell it in Michigan, Pennsylvania, North Carolina, Virginia, um, California, New York, Jim, and you're missing out on the boat. What do you think I'm going to do? Yeah, you're going to buy it. I'm going to buy it. Yeah. So I think you've already answered this question, but I'm going to read it anyway because he sent it in. Adam Knight, um, he said, I don't understand why there isn't a better way for the state to manage low skews. We've seen a lot of good liquor discontinued in Ohio or never carried here that we just end up having to buy from other states. Is it that costly to manage the low volume items that it's instead better to lose sale to, he says, free states? I think he means open states. And if so, what are the free states or open states doing to manage to sell these items profitably that Ohio isn't? So, okay, again, myth. Yeah. Myth. Somebody who's uninformed. There has to be demand for a product. It's supply and demand. It's because the state owns it doesn't suddenly turn it into, um, you know, uh, uh, a um, entitlement. It's a business. So... Things that don't have demand aren't purchased anymore. I mean, it's just supply and demand. It's the elasticity of supply and demand dictate um, based on sales. So if those products are selling off the shelves, then we buy more. Um, if it's not selling, it's sitting on the shelves. And so I, I'm puzzled that that the, the notions of supply and demand um, aren't that obvious just because the state is in the business of buying and selling liquor. Now, if, for example, somebody was in love with salmon-flavored vodka, I will apologize to you now. <laughs> Fruity Pebble-flavored vodka. Oh. Uh, um, what was the other one? Uh, cilantro-flavored vodka. Um those sorts of things, there are people out there who like those products. And I'm sure there were people who liked Pacers and Yugos and all of those sorts of lemon vehicles, but were in a business to sell products, not make a niche 
group happy. Um, and so for those kind of products, the formula is pretty straightforward. Um, these products have to sell um, a certain number of bottles in the points of distribution that they choose. And I don't choose them. Here's another misconception. If Leanne's um, gin company comes to me and says, hey, Jim, um, Leanne's gym is really popular in Virginia um, and they're selling like crazy. And I'm going to be like, really? Show me the data. And I'm like, wow, that's really, I'll take a chance on you. I buy a thousand cases and I'm going to say, now, where do you want to put them? And you're going to say in every agency, you, are you sure you want them in all 481 agencies? Because you've got to sell at least one bottle a month on average in your points of distribution. So if you pick one agency, you got to sell one bottle. If you sell 481, if you want to put it in 481 agencies, you've got to sell 481 bottles a month. Mm. Right? Interesting. So people will come in with their Leanne's gin and be like, if I bring it, they will come like the field of dreams. That's not how it works. You have got to sell your products on the shelf on the average of one bottle per month for the number of, for the, the average number of points of distribution that you choose. So if you choose 12, it's 12 bottles a month, 20, 20 bottles a month. So if you're selling just a couple out of this agency and none in the other agencies over a 12 month period of time, guess what? You get delisted. You get delisted. Gotcha. So it's not a high bar to make, mm -hmm. but I have to have a bar. Sure. Because I'm not going to buy a bunch of stuff that sits on the shelves and doesn't move because that space, that linear space on the shelf is like valuable real estate. If Leanne's bottle of gin is taking up space, it's taking the spot of a bottle of gin that will sell. Because I only have so much linear space in each liquor store. Gotcha. All right. So one last question. Um, why do uh, places like Middle West Spirits, why do they have to hire distributors out? If they want to sell their liquor outside of Ohio, why do they have to hire a distributor outside of Ohio? What happens outside of Ohio is not my business. Okay. They, they, that's the other state's rules. Okay. And in the state, in the state of Ohio, they don't have to have a broker. Gotcha. I, I buy from directly from manufacturers all the time. So Middle West Spirits, they can't, they can't sell directly to uh, Tennessee. They have to hire a distributor, like their distributors. That's probably a marketing. That's probably because of marketing. Okay. I mean, they can't be everywhere all the time. So you hire a broker sure. to do the legwork. I mean, that's a business decision. That's not a state requirement gotcha. or probably not even another state's requirement. It's not the same. It might be you're conflating the idea with um, beer and wine, mm -hmm. which Ohio law requires there to be distribution for beer and wine. Uh -huh. It's not the same for high proof. Gotcha. I mean, you pick a broker because you, you're you basically pick, you're, you're picking somebody to do the legwork on promoting your your product. And, you know, Middle West is in, in Ohio and they want to be have a presence in a different state. They're hiring a national broker who has a presence in another state and mm -hmm. is plugged into all the um, 
distribution chains. Gotcha. Okay. Well, thank you so much for being here. It's always enlightening to talk to you. It's, myth, it's we, like myth busting hour. Yeah, we learn so, so much fun. every time. Yeah, we learn we learn something there every let me, time. Let me end with one thing here, and I don't even know if I pointed this out on Dino's show, but you know, for all the folks out there who think, you know, Chicago is the panacea, um, Indiana is a panacea, California, New York, all these open quote unquote open states. Think about it this way: um, the state of Washington got overwhelmed by the same sort of belief that the state, because that was a control state, if we go to an open state, the world is going to change just like everybody believes, um, you know, stranglehold and low supply and better management. It's all, that's all fiction. The state of Washington went to an open state and the product offerings plummeted. The number of offerings plummeted and the price on the things they carried went up. Now, why? Because once you put, and I'm not saying it's a bad thing, it's just a different model, mm -hmm. but the state of Washington is a, is a good testament and evidence that when you put um, the actual laws of supply and demand which operate in every other retail operation, like beer, like wine, like chips, like milk, like soda. And those vendors are now making choices based on their pocketbook, right? So mm -hmm. for example, you have Leanne's beverage store. What products are you going to get your wallet out and buy? What I know is gonna sell. Right, are you gonna buy, are you gonna have a lineup of a thousand different kind of bourbons? Maybe, because I do love bourbon. Sure, but, <laughs> sure, but, but you have to pay for that now. True. Well, okay. I won't have any cilantro vodka, I can tell you right. that. So you have, to, you have to have the capital to carry a lineup. And the lineup that you do carry is your inventory that ties up your capital. And so you want people to come in and buy because you got to pay the rent. You got to pay your employees. You got to pay for your IT, your electric, your light, your water, and you've got to have more revenue. You have to have a cash flow. This is just like any other bar and restaurant. You got to manage your cash flow so that you can buy other offerings to keep people coming back. And so once you start seeing where the velocity is on your sales, what are you going to buy the next month? More right. of that. Yeah. What are you going to What are you going to get off? What are you going to jettison from your menu? Mm -hmm. The stuff that is not selling that you have money invested in. Yeah. And the longer it sits there, the more likely you are going to mark it down. Now the stuff that is selling, let's switch topics. So on the product offerings, it's going to dwindle, 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 dwindle till you get that right product mix that gives you that cash flow in terms of velocity. Now I don't have to worry about that because the laws of supply and demand for the state who has spending power, I can take more risk. I can buy more products in a wider variety because I can take the chance that it's going to sit on the shelves longer because I'm not Leanne's beverage store. You don't have the buying power that I do. So I can have a lot more offerings than you can. I can list things more quickly than you can. But my only deal with those manufacturers are that you're going to sell it. And if it's not sold, I'm going to get rid of it and get something else. Now for you, 
It's gone, it's gone, it's gone. And now your product mix is only the things that you can sell. Mm-hmm. Now, you hit on gold. You found some whiskey, some gin, some vodka that sells. And there's a high demand for it. What are you going to do on the price? Up I'm going to, yeah. You're going to raise that price to the point where people are still buying it. Still buying it. Okay, now it's slowing down. So that price is going to be high. So when you see that bottle of Blanton's at Binney's in Washington, D.C., in New York, California, it's going to be triple, double, triple the price that it is in, here in Ohio. So Washington, that played out exactly as I described it. The state of Washington went to a private system. The offerings went down. Price went up. We were, and they're, and they're, they're wishing they could go back in time. We were in Alabama, which is an open state. No, and Alabama's we, control state. Oh, it is? Yep. Where were it? Maybe it was Louisiana. It was, it was an open state, and larceny was um, $75. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Might have been Mississippi. Yeah, maybe. Mississippi, and it's like 30 25 here. $25, $30 here. Yeah. So, yeah. And it's widely available. Yes. Well, thank you so much, Jim. Thank, keep up the good work. Yeah. We approve. Thank and, you. Uh, Thanks for thanks for being on our podcast and uh, thanks for being on our amateur competition too. That was super fun. So it was for us. Darn Jameson guy. <laughs> <laughs> I did beat the, the priest. Yeah, you beat the priest. And the I did Irish, offer to, to you know to knock it sideways with God. I did offer to give him second place. <laughs> that was generous. I know, that's what I thought. That was nice. <laughs> Jim Canepa, Superintendent of Liquor Control for the State of Ohio. Thank you for coming. You're welcome. Cheers. 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 Cheers to everything.